Hi, and welcome to Foreign Comics Calling, the podcast for all things foreign comics related. I'm Ken, and on behalf of my co-hosts, Eric, Matt, and Stephen, we'd like to welcome you to another ebullient episode. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow. Love it. Uh, Ken's Ooh, got the best. Ebullient. Yeah, he's got the best thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me to spell He's it. a wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Read it and weep, guys. Read it and weep. Love it. (laughs) It's good to reconvene with you guys. We, um, (laughs) I have a few housekeeping things that I'll kind of do, and and Matt's got some stuff he wants to talk about. I think last time around we teased we were going to talk about uh, Filipino books. So yes, I know almost nothing about that. So get ready for a barrage of questions on that, and I'm I'm excited to learn on that. Uh, The first things I'll say is. You know, um, and I want to do this on every episode. If you share the episode, I'll give you a shout out, right? So, you know, on the last episode, episode four, this is episode five. Um, shout outs to Maria, Elisa, and Randall Begins for sharing the episode. Thanks, guys. Um, if anyone shares this one, I'll give you a shout out on the next one. Um, before we jump into Matt's Matt's topic, there was a question that came up on, I think, oh. either in the in the Facebook group, it wasn't on our page, it wasn't a listener question per se, and I. I I didn't pull the guy's name and I'm, I regret that I did. So apologies to the guy who asked this question, but his question, but he was like a newbie and he was asking mm-hmm. the question is, um, was about like, do countries currently print like current books, right? Like we obviously focus on like, you know, I guess pre-modern age stuff, silver age and, and, you know, copper age and stuff like that. Like what's the, mm-hmm. what's the current lay of the land in terms of foreigns being printed? Do we have any handle on that? Um, yes, um, I believe that a lot of the modern books are re- basically kind of repurposed for the foreign markets. So they might take a convention exclusive and then change it over or, um, you know, as, as we know with the Del Auto stuff, he's, he's over there. So he's got that name recognition now. So he might do stuff maybe for Europe. Um, but as far as I know, I think all the publishers have gotten in on the licensing thing and, are creating their I know I've heard of some super rare like foreign con exclusives where they might have only printed like 50 or 60 I know that um so so there's definitely that right. do I think that they're as interesting as kind of the the more silver bronze and copper I I don't necessarily think so because I don't think you know the 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 companies have such a handle on what the foreign publishers are doing. They're just right. like pup, they're puppets guys. You know, it's right. not like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, anything that's yeah. done, is pretty much done Absolutely. under yeah. more strict kinds of licensing than it was back in the day. A lot more strict that you can do this. You cannot do that, you know, kind of stuff. It's much more specific about what they're allowed to do. So a lot of the stuff you're getting today that would be foreign is going to look very, very, very much just like the American version, other than it'll be in their yeah, language yeah. and the, some agree. of the trade yeah. dressing on the cover might be slightly different. And, 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 and other than that, it's, you're pretty much looking at the same book, you know, but, the, but like he says, the cool thing about books nowadays, but nowadays we're getting a lot of these artists, especially for like exclusives and variants and stuff like that mm-hmm. from guys like Matina and Perillo and Bianchi and some of these guys who were overseas, you know? And so people in those countries, those, these artists that are in those countries, 
you'll you'll see some of this stuff getting printed up and everything over there because right. so it's like supporting for the, for the, scope the guys of what who are we in generally too, talk so. about we don't we won't generally be talking about that type of stuff we're generally talking about um the the wild west era right so where yeah uh, licensing was a little bit more dodgy and runs were a lot shorter and it was right yeah you know, it was kind of it, and probably the line in the sand is probably the internet that basically made the difference in connecting, you know, uh, these things in a global way, right? So globalization, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so almost anything pre-internet would kind of fall. Globalization, in. yeah. Like our, yep, yep. at least my interest. I don't want to speak for you guys, but no, that's my interest too. To be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, for the most part, I have so, one or two things that are modern. modern yeah, so I would say but, that, uh, yeah. If you are looking into modern foreign collecting, foreign collecting, it's going to be much more like just normal modern collecting where you hunt out exclusives and you've got the different variant clubbers. Uh, The books are not necessarily Mm -hmm. that difficult. You know, a lot of the collectors in these foreign countries that, you know, they're, they're posting that stuff up on eBay and, and, and whatnot, just like most of these modern books. Um, So I, I, I think it's it's definitely fun, and I think that we should definitely have a someone that is more attuned to the modern uh, foreign variant stuff. Because I know there's some really cool books. Like I'm hunting the the Spawn Nine, you know, the first Angela. There's that really crazy German modern Spawn Nine Angela, where it's like it's like gray and it's like an embossed cover. There, there's some cool stuff in that mm-hmm. world for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I think we should definitely explore it, but it's not going to be the main focus. I think. Cool. Yeah, that was a good question. I just wanted to put it out there. Um, so, man. Um, so before we jump into the Filipinos thing, Filipino yep. books, uh, Matt's mystery moment. I asked you. You said you had something you want to talk about. What do you want? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, jump in? So I, I didn't have a, a whole lot, but um, you know when uh, I did. So I do the YouTube. I do a YouTube channel to Global Comic Safari, and we did a market report show and i had gotten um i'd reached out to some foreign sellers to get market reports for the year and uh mario i don't know if have you guys ever bought from european comics for you mm-hmm. mm, doesn't ring about with me personally okay he's 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 I, one of the oldest I, I guys in europe that really saw I believe the I need for someone over there to kind of suck a lot of those books out and offer them to American collectors. And uh, I have a, a lot of respect for him. And he, you know, if for a lot of the early guys, he was one of the main sellers, possibly even the first on American eBay that was specializing in books from Europe. And so he's definitely part of uh, foreign comic history. Anyway, I wanted to read his report real quick. He said, hi, Matt. The year 2019 was very good for the selling of foreign comic books. There is still a growing demand for these books, and it's getting into the direction that is no longer only a niche in the comic book collector area. I think also due to promotional activities for this global hobby that is not about one country, it is about the world. Um, Selection of books which was sold in the last quarter of 2019. Um, He sold a 9.4... Purgatory Scarlet Empire hardcover German Limited, ten of thirty three for three forty three hundred forty nine bucks, which is a lot. He sold an eight point Hulk one eighty one Italian version for a hundred, which isn't too bad. Um, it looks like we have a nine point four Monster of Frankenstein issue, 
uh, 26. That it was one of those ones that was not published in the USA. It was uh, so it's almost like a German non-canon. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's like a Frankenstein German non-canon. Mm. He sold that for 50 bucks. Um, uh, this is kind of also modern. Uh, 9.6 Thor, an Italian Alex Ross variant for 70. Ain't too bad. Uh, 10. Number ten spawn an embossed blue cover German for two hundred. Nice. See that's that's a good that's a good yeah, good yeah. price. Um, looks like he wow. also sold a German Vampirella yeah. one in a slab of six point five for two ninety nine, which is pretty interesting as well. I know there's some collectors collecting Vampirellas and putting that Vampirella one set together. Uh, Stefan was one of the first guys to do that, but I know that those books are definitely. Um, going mm-hmm. around. Uh, and then he ended with, there's strong demand for Walking Dead and Vampirella Euro variants. We were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of these modern Euro variants, there's there's American collectors that know about them and they're sucked into mm-hmm. them. And, um, you know, I, it's one of the reasons I think the foreign kind of part of the hobby is so easy for a lot of these modern collectors to get into. It's because they're not, they don't, they don't care about this this reprint or later printing stigma because they're already doing it within the hobby. Do you think that's accurate, Stephen, to say that it's easy for them to get into it? Um, so yeah, so he he left yeah, me that report. Thank so. you to Mario for that. Yeah, um, let me uh, let me actually give you his eBay ID. So it's European Comics C O M I X for you number four U spelled out Y O U, and you'll identify his his photos because he puts a little sticker on the bottom right on you know on mm-hmm. yes or, yes or he does or something yeah yeah i bought from him before he's great mm-hmm. so he's had he had a good year uh in the last yep. quarter so yeah i just wanted to talk about that right on. um cool all right yeah so let's uh so cool. let's jump into um filipino right. books uh i know nothing um you, you put together a nice little guide matt which i'm hoping you'll post on the page once we share this episode but oh yes um, yes so who uh let me just kind of run down the same questions i asked on the italian uh side of things like when did these books start popping up what's the origin of you know i'm talking marvel dc books i'm assuming in the philippines well it actually starts before the bookstore books and it starts with these books were called the southeast asia editions now these were we think for the most part, mid to late sixties. And I'm going to, uh, we'll post a picture on the podcast, but I, this, these books are incredible because on the bottom, now there are no Marvel Southeast Asia edition. It's all DC. Okay. okay. But on the bottom, there's a, there's going to be a banner and it they, they printed it in different colors, pinks, blues, greens. And they had a list of all the countries that these goddamn books we're sold in the markets. I'm going to say the list here, okay? Burma, Ceylon, Formosa, Hong Kong, India, Indonesia, Malaya, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. There you have it. Southeast Asia, okay? Now, the Southeast Asia editions, we don't – I'm going to disclaimer this whole podcast right here. The Philippines is a tough cookie to crack. They're – it's very complex. They, of course, they had their comics with a K, but when we're talking about American material, it's convoluted as hell. There's different. I mean, it, it's all over the place. But so, 
everyone so do know that this is most of this all if not all of this information on facebook we have a philippine comics research society okay and it's it's a group where we just have everyone from filipino collectors to hardcore american collectors to anyone that knows anything about these books to post any information and any scan that they have at all okay so a lot of that information that i'm going to talk to you today comes from our group and what we've learned there and whatnot. But we know that it's still only a fraction of probably the true history. So yeah. that being said, the Southeast Asia editions, they were published by a company called Chronicle Publications. Okay. Now, Chronicle Publications, I didn't really know who this was until I started looking through these books. Inside, you'll see ads for the Manila Chronicle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the Manila Chronicle was a big newspaper, and they were out of the Philippines, and I believe they were around, they've been around for a long time. So we're talking since the Japanese occupation and pre- before it, so in the 30s. So it's a company that's been around for a long time. Now, inside this, these books, I found an ad in one of them that basically said... Chronicle Publications, by arrangement with the National Comics Publication of New York. And it says in there, so this could be a partnership between DC and Chronicle Publications. And they have ads in there that state, hey, do you want to uh, publish an ad in any of these markets? And then it goes over all the markets, right? And it says, contact national the partnership between national comics publications out of new york so dc and so i think there was some kind of partnership between dc and this manila newspaper right and this publishing house they had some kind of partnership now what's interesting about these books is they are printed in english they're not in tagalog they're not in thai they're not in vietnamese they're not in indonesian they're not in malay so they are printed in english now I've had long conversations with hardcore researchers of these books on why that is and why so many uh, countries and markets. And I think the theory that the going theory that I like to think of now, there's, there's all kinds of theories, but the one theory that we think is they might've been printed in English because they were somehow distributed. If we think about post-World War II, and we think about the Cold War, you know, we were all over South, Southeast Asia. We were all in all of those countries, including Vietnam and, you know, any Southeast Asia books that survived there after the war, I'm sure were destroyed as capitalist propaganda. But we think that maybe they were sold through military bases or were through the consular activities because they, they were sold to people that had to know English, right? So... In those countries, of course, in the Philippines, English is taught very early on. Um, and in a lot of, and in some of those other countries, if, especially if you're cl- close to the, you know, to the American consulate, there's, you know, there's schools. And then I've got some friends right now teaching English in Russia. So I think that it, they were somehow connected to the, the American military and maybe the American consular forces. So for some reason, there was some, there's a connection there. Otherwise, they'd be printed in Vietnamese or Thai or Thai or, or whatever. Are, yeah, are there are there other ones maybe outside of that deal that anyone mm-hmm. knows of that are printed in indigenous languages? 
Um, I think that there, there, there might be from the 60s, definitely. But for the Philippines specifically, they're all in English. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, like some of these countries, like, um, you know, like Vietnam in the 60s, I know that I've seen some uh, Vietnamese comics that were almost like photo comics from the, the 60s TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some of that. I've seen, so I do think there was probably in these countries, because there's a lot, Malaya, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Formosa. I don't even know where that is. Do you? Ceylon? <laughs> I don't even know where those places are. Um, so my guess is there, there, there might've been, but as far as the Philip, as far as the Southeast Asia editions, we, I, I'm pretty confident in thinking that they were definitely based out of the Philippines, because if you look inside them, you'll see that they were made by Chronicle Publications, okay? And the Manila Chronicle adds in there kind of scream out that it, it's somehow connected to the Manila Chronicle. Yeah. Um, and that, so, makes, that makes sense for distribution purposes yeah, yeah. and yep. all that stuff as well. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it, now the National yes. Bookstore edition. I know are mostly for the seventies and like some some of the eight, some of the eighties, but uh, did did any no, of the national no, bookstore editions no, it's strictly seventies on? 60s now what makes strictly seventies on from from what we can tell so far, and we'll get into each bookstore. That's what I'm going to go into That's each bookstore and what we know currently through the research society about those. But what I do find interesting about the Southeast Asia editions is that they stopped right around that 70s time. And what's interesting about the Philippines, and I was talking with Ken a little bit about this before we've mm-hmm. gone on, was we have to remember that Ferdinand Marcos ruled the islands as a dictator from 1972 to 1981. And through some of my research through the Chronicle publications was the Manila Chronicle was shut down in 1972 when the dictatorship came around. Now, that makes sense because the dictatorships are going to go in and they're going to shut down the media, right? Yeah, they're going to want to control it, yeah. So so for whatever reason, now we've seen Mm -hmm. the Southeast Asia editions. Yep. You know, they're they're all 60s DC. We've never seen anything in Southeast Asia that gets into the 70s. So I think it's we're pretty confident that the Southeast Asia editions were probably from around 65 into maybe 69, maybe 70, but they don't go past that. Okay. Um, yeah. And what, uh, before you continue on the history, that's amazing. Like what, what would the titles have been? Do you know what was, what uh, was Batman, run? Superman. Um, there's definitely Batman. Um, I just recently bought, um, hold on. It's all DC, but, like similar stories of the time, like they were just maybe a month or two behind kind of thing. I don't, that part, I'm not quite so sure. Um, hold on one second. Sorry. I didn't think everyone was going to ask me about that. <laughs> I, I mean, I was thinking in my mind the different titles, but I can't. <laughs> were those, were those, yeah, mostly, was, were those mostly just I, like single story? Like I think American they were just single story. I think for they the most part, they were, they other were stories as well. very close to what the American yeah. book was okay. just with some alterations. 
It seems like it yeah, seems like, like recently I just bought an adventure. It seems like comics. most of the Philippine stuff is. Uh, I bought way. the uh, so. number fourteen, the one with Lex Luthor. I just recent recently bought that one, um, so that'd be Adventure Comics, mm. and I think their numbering is different or or whatnot. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that I've seen Batman. I've seen some Superman. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen some Jimmy Olsen. There, there's really not a whole lot of it. Um, there's just, I mean, the Southeast Asia editions, they will pop up from time to time. But I think for the most part, I, I've only ever owned one. Um, I gave it away to Tim. And I have another one coming to me now. But we do not see them very often. Do you see those very often, Stephen? Yeah, I mean I they're would, they're rare. I would imagine. Uh, no, that I do not. Very all. much a mystery. Would, yeah, yeah. I would imagine yeah, uh, tough to, very a tough country to like on. that in the turmoil and the weather, like probably fewer books would survive in those conditions, right? Um, and oh, God. you know, even if they were disposable, you know, even more so. I I can't imagine people, you know, some of those countries are third world countries, right? I can't imagine yeah. people stashing books, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. Here's the thing: you have to understand, in every foreign market, every different kind of foreign, whether it's German, whether it's Italian, whether it's Brazilian, in every single foreign comic market, there's something about some books or some series or some countries that makes particular books or particular series. Yeah, I know we don't like to throw around the word, word "rare," but makes them rarer or tougher to come by. And there's different things that can cause that. It can be whatever the print run was. It could be whatever was going on in the country at the time. It could be whatever the climate is. Yeah. yeah. But when it comes to Philippine books, it's everything. There's this confluence of every single possible thing that could make these books tough That's to a acquire perfect storm, or very hard to it? find. Mm. All of it exists with Philippine books because you, you name it, everything is involved from the country, the way it was run, and the you know the culture, the environment, the the, the weather. You know the. I mean, look what's going on right yeah. now over there with the. Look what's going on right now over there with the volcano and the typhoons, you know, going off over there, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that they have to deal with. Yeah, they go all oh, the typhoons that blow through there. So yeah, there's just numerous reasons why these books are so so tough to come by. And even if you well, do, and, and you know what's, you better just, not be expecting to get high grade. One more point. Go ahead. You know, I would also imagine the distribution model of being through a newspaper. So a newspaper is going to drop off on Monday and pick up on Tuesday. So it's possible that, you know, anything didn't sell just got destroyed. Just, yeah. It just got pulped right. straight. Well, in the trash. And, and one of Tim's ideas on these is we yep. want to ask yep. service members if they remember the Southeast Asia editions being, either like on the the newsstands that are like around the consulates or on the bases themselves and see if any of the of the military that was active at that time remembers if they were in any of these countries uh malaysia indonesia india if they remember these books being for sale um so because because this is the other interesting thing i've never seen a southeast asia edition that didn't come out of the philippines you know, it, it says on the cover that they're printed in all these places. I've never seen one out of Hong Kong or come from India or Indonesia. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't exist there, but it's just interesting that the only ones that we have had the luck to find and see and prove that they're still in existence 
are from the islands themselves. So, and, and that would make sense if the Manila Chronicle was the the you know the the publisher of these books. It would make sense that the home islands would have a, a greater proportion of them, even though it's not many that we've seen. Um, so, I, I that's basically it for Southeast Asia. I, there's not of, of all of them. That's the one we probably know the least about. We know the least amount of titles. I mean, we do know some. We know for sure it was DC only. There was no Marvel in there. <laughs> Um, I do think there were some uh, some Filipino uh, Marvel stuff done, possibly in uh, the late 60s, early 70s that weren't bookstore books. Um, and I, the only reason I say that is because in the Gerber Guides, there is a Filipino, um, I think it's a Silver Age Marvel story in one of their, on their foreign page. But I have not seen those anywhere. I've, it's the only time I've ever seen one. Um, so we would have to, you know, ask around and I know there's definitely not any within the, uh, Filipino research page itself. So Southeast Asia editions, do you guys have any other questions on those? Uh, no. Can you plug the, uh, what's the research group again? The name of it? Um, it's, it's called the Philippines, Philippines research society on Facebook. I forget the exact name. Uh, if you look up Philippines and groups, it'll come right up. Um, if anybody has any more info on that, please join that group uh, and please share. That group, it, it, we're, we're just yeah. scrambling it, for any information we have, stories mm-hmm. to collect or stories yeah. of collecting these books. Yeah, look, um, if, you, if you hear this podcast five years in the future, ten years in the future, look for us and post some info, right? Yeah, exactly. Here's the name, here's the name, Eric. It's the Philippine Editions Comic Research yeah. Society, yeah. it's a yeah. group on Facebook. It's a closed group, but please join it and post any picture scans or stories. Awesome. And so you keep mentioning bookstores. I don't know what that means. Okay, I'm getting there. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, Chapter two. <laughs> yep. The now get into the, the real meat of a gentleman uh, by the name of James Zeef. Yeah. James Zeef has been working with the Grand Comics database on trying to yeah, get all yeah. of the bookstore books sorted out. Um, he is an uh, amazing comic researcher, and I've uh, been talking with him for a while now, and I just want to call him out on that. He's going in and trying to clean up anywhere there's bookstore book books in the Grand Comic Database. He's trying to clean it up and create, you know, create the different titles. Sometimes they'll have Alamar books under books, you know, National Bookstore. They'll have them all. They'll have them wrong. He's going in there. Also, Doc Scott. You know, we talked about Norman uh, Robinson. He has been helping the Grand Comics database as well get their Filipino books sorted. So I want to I want to call those two gentlemen out for sure for doing that. Now, the bookstores, the bookstores in the Philippines, from the way I understand it, from the Filipino collectors had about the same impact that like a Hastings um, or a Barnes and Noble uh, did with us here. There were places where they went to consume media, right? And what's interesting is even during the dictatorship, I don't really know exactly what kind of censorship uh, the Ferdinand Marcos regime did on them, but the bookstores were huge. That's where you went. I mean, some of the large, so there's three that we're going to talk about today. The Goodwill bookstores, we're going to talk about the national bookstores, and we're going to talk about the Alamar bookstores. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you know, for us, we didn't have so many, but in the Philippines, on the first, being the small islands, they had a lot of bookstores competing with each other. That's interesting, all in all itself. Also, 
the big bookstores might have four big stores, right? So like National had, I mean, we're talking multi-level stores because the bookstores, just like a Hastings did, movies and uh, books and and magazines and it, it just media in general. Mm-hmm. And um, they also, the National Bookstore in particular, also published their own books related to education and language and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so what, we're going to talk about the first one that hits the scene, which is Goodwill. Okay. So Goodwill Bookstore, we think according to the titles that we see and according to some other stuff, we think that they start around 1971 and they extend into maybe 1975. Okay. So the earliest book that we can think of that we can prove out that we've seen would be a Tech 407. Now, the Tech 407 is that classic one with Man Bat where he's holding his bride. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's got a cover date, I believe, of January mm-hmm. 1971. Now, of course, when we see the Tech 407, we go, God dang it. Wouldn't it have been cool if they did a 400, <clears throat> you know, or, or, some, or some of the other stuff? Now... <clears throat> <laughs> an early Batman that they did was 229. Now that makes you go, wow, could a 227 exist? Right. Could a 232 exist? The first Ra's al Ghul. Could a 234 exist? But to this day, no 227 has popped up. No 232 and no 234 has popped up from Goodwill. Now, go, was, go ahead. Is there a number on the actual 229 book? Yes. So the Goodwills have what those, there's two competing trains of thoughts on the numbering. Now, National Bookstore used the American numbering. Goodwill did not. They stripped that information out. And like what we often see with the Goodwills um, in, like, say, the D.C. circle, there would be a number. Now, there are two. These are the two competing strains of thought. Some people think that it's related to the date. So some people think it's a date stamp. Mm. I'm in that camp. Me too. Yeah. But there is another competing mm-hmm. theory I that they well. were numbered by issue and that they're actually sequential in how they printed. Now, just like I was talking about how it's weird that, that we'd see a 229, but we wouldn't see a lot of these other Batman keys within, that, within the run. We don't know why they jumped around like they did, but they jumped around like crazy, okay? And, and we're not quite sure why. Um, well, could it be just uh, the art that they would get, right? Could it just be maybe that they didn't get everything? Maybe they didn't, but it's just so weird that they didn't do things like we don't see a whole lot of continuity as far as like in subsequent numbers. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and and a lot of that could be because Goodwill was the first that came out. National hadn't hit the scene yet. Now there is an area where they overlap, but the Goodwill bookstores were the first. So maybe, and when you're, when you're hunting Filipino bookstore books, the Goodwills, I would say are definitely the ones that are your least likely to find. So, you know, if we're going to talk about sourcing difficulty, the Goodwills are definitely tougher. Yeah. Both the Marvel and the DC. Now, we think that Goodwill got the DC license first. Okay. Um, so we see some Marvels, but we don't see Marvels until we get into 72. 
Okay. So that's kind of interesting. So we uh, do think that they hit DC first. Go ahead, Eric. Just to follow up on that other question. So um, in terms of continuity, so I mentioned maybe they didn't receive anything and that just got my wheels turned. And that doesn't necessarily mean they weren't sent everything um, under a yeah. dictatorship. Maybe it didn't arrive or maybe, you know, maybe what they got was, you know, spotty and they kind of ran with yep. what they had and maybe the number didn't mean anything to them. So they weren't. Yeah. Some some of that might fall yeah, in censorship. Some, some of this might fall into that, you know. Uh, exactly. yeah, there could be censorship the involved. Of government we don't stuff. really know. Yeah. That, that's the thing is quite like, possible. You know, we created the research page to just try to gather as much of the information as we could, because when it comes to the Filipino books, it's just in comparison to like other countries where you can go and, you know, it's like Europe. You can go and research their their uh, the companies like CMIC, and you know, there's whole Wikipedia pages about CMIC or. You know, in Brazil, you can go and and research, you know, all the Brazilian stuff on Quadrinos and it's going to have pages about the publishers and all that. The Filipinos is a big black hole. There's just nothing there. Yeah. In, so in fact, there there we had. OK, so our guy that we had on the ground there at one point in time, I know that we've brought him up before. I know Tim had talked about how we made a deal with him where we had that all that stuff in. He was trying to find out some of this information as well. And he, according you know, and this is secondhand, this is what he said and told me when we still had a relationship and, and I was talking to him. Um, he went to the Philippines, quote unquote, Library of Congress. Okay. He made a trip there and he thought, if there's any way to find out where these publication dates for these books started and ended, it's got to be in the Filipinos Library of Congress. I don't know what they call it. Right. I don't know if remember if it's in Rizal or in Manila. I'm not exactly sure. He went there and he inquired. And uh, I think just like our Library of Congress, you've got to like set an appointment to talk to specific <coughs> people or do whatever. <coughs> what he told me was that all they really had there were comics with a K history. Mm. The bookstore history was absent. It was empty. It was missing. It was gone. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it yeah. just? Yeah. So the bookstore yeah. books are a piece of Filipino history yeah. and culture. But for whatever reason, wow. in their national database, in their, in their national building, where they're, where, you know, where they're supposed to be keeping all of their Filipino history, publication history, there are no bookstore books to be found. Think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean nefarious. It could mean they weren't no. recorded or it was never could be. tracked or or culturally they just weren't get out considered that. that important. Right. Because comics with a well, K they just are never huge. Con- yeah. You know, that, that's a huge part of yeah, Filipino culture. Important. The Tagalog comics there. And that makes sense that they had that, but maybe they just thought these are just American American stories. They're not related to the Philippines necessarily. Not that important. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, these are these these exact these exact same books in this exact same language are available all, all over the place in America. So it's yeah, not like exactly. It's so there were particular to the Philippines, correct? Because mm-hmm. that's what you know that would be. Yeah. They would save the local Filipino output, the comics with a K, yeah. but they would not save the bookstore. So he had no luck going to their Library of Congress to find info out. That's interesting. Another part of that story that. I think we've talked about before, like, uh, I don't remember when it was passed, but I want to bring it up. Um, you know, there was that Southeast Asia Comic Con 
And this guy's wife is a Filipina. She's a dealer that deals comics there. That's how he met her. And um, he thought for sure when he was going to go to this con that he was going to find dealers that had taught that either had brought those books or at least knew about them. He went to every single comic dealer's booth and asked for bookstore editions. He did not find any. Zero. Zilch. This is a, this is a Comic-Con that's huge. Southeast Asia's Comic-Con. You know, it's their San Diego Comic-Con, basically. Zilch, zilch, zilch. Every dealer told him. <laughs> either they told him, no, I don't have any of that stuff. Why would I bring it? Or, no, um, I haven't seen those in forever. Or, uh, yeah, or I don't bring those types of books here. Or pick an excuse. Mm. They had it. Tons of American books. They're in the middle of the Philippines. Hmm. And these dealers are selling tons of American books and Copper Age books and manga and everything else. But not, not one. Those. And I'm going to cuss here. I, <laughs> I, I got feedback that I was cussing too much on the last one, but I'm going cu- to cuss here. Not one fucking <laughs> bookstore book in the entirety of the Southeast Asia con. Think about that. Yeah. That, is, uh, that is ebullient. Am I using that word right? <laughs> that is absolutely ebullient. And that definitely that definitely speaks to yes, it does. That definitely yeah. speaks yeah. to yeah. a very in, intense. Bias, so you know, you know, that's crazy to to that Go very ahead, very intense. Because like, yeah, yeah. Because I was gonna say because like it's like you know when you come into these Philippines, especially once you start getting into the the national bookstore editions and these, some of these other bookstore editions. It's all in American. It's all, all they, for the most part, all they've done is poured over the exact, what you would have here in America with a couple of little edits where yep. they would take out, like you say, the pricing and the, the little, the, the little logos up in the top and the circles or this or that. And they would just put their own pricing or their own little thing. Or often it's yeah. would just write in whatever price. They would just or they write had on stamps, it, you know, um, or, or what yeah, they had the, so, particularly the like, national bookstore had a very unique stamp stamps. that can call itself out. And we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Just, just, yeah, and that's one of those things where it's like, if you if you talk to guys like at CBCS or some of these guys who have been in heavy in the American market are very knowledgeable guys like Steve Borak and some of these other guys. When you ask them about pedigree books, they'll tell you, especially going back into the golden age, they'll tell you, well, there's a way to tell. I can have a book just placed in front of me and nobody says anything about it. Here's a golden age book, Steve. What do you think? Mm-hmm. He's like, I can look at that book and I can tell mm-hmm. you whether that book is a pedigree book or not just by looking at it. Why? Because there are telltale things about it that will indicate to him yeah. whether or not it's a book from a pedigree collection of some sort. That's kind of how it is. That's kind of how it is with these Filipino books. Cause a lot of times these Filipino books don't, they look, they look almost exactly like American with a couple of changes. Yeah. So you might look at it and say, okay, this is an American, this is Philippine, but then how yeah, do you well, tell the goodwill Philippine yeah. from the national bookstore? This Philippine, is all about the, from the, the you know what I'm saying? There's, there's little things you look at to make States. that determination. Probably not, not quite a few. There'll probably be some, shall I say. But yes, I, and I, all the best ones. Yeah. The, the, all the best condition ones we found hiding in the States. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And you would, you and we would think, think there might be a... a right. You, right. Yes, that's what, that's what Us, we think. Usually from we soldiers... We think that most of the bookstore books that made their way here are from people that were stationed. But also remember, and this is another kind of thing that I, I you know, just talking with my Filipino friends... As Americans, we take for granted that the poverty over there is so bad that very a lot of families are literally hoping and praying that one of their children 
will leave the islands to go find work. You know, Filipino laborers are all over the Middle East. They're all over Asia. They're all over, all over the place just so that they can send money back home. So you see a lot of Filipinos, um, you know, and that's why the Filipino mm-hmm. diaspora is, is out all over the world, I think, is because, you know, so many Filipinos left their islands looking for a better life. So I think that not only did, did maybe some Americans bring that were stationed overseas in the Philippines bring those books, but I think some of those books could probably also be attributed to young Filipino kids that had them in, you know, in their comic collections and, and were leaving with mom who was going to go be a maid somewhere, possibly either a maid mm-hmm. or a laborer, and took the books with them. Um, so, yeah, but the, but the books that stayed on the island, unless they were very well cared for, most of those books that stayed on the island are rough, very rough. All the nicest ones that we've ever found are ones that were, or just, yeah, or, or maybe they're not even. Or disintegrated yeah, or yeah. destroyed for other we'll things like pack, story too. packing that's material, a, making that's fires. Also, so let's get, back, let's get back to Goodwill. So, <laughs> so yes, so the way you can tell a Goodwill is it's going to have this numbering. Now, the DC was always a no, just a number. The Marvel had a letter sometimes. We're not quite sure why Marvel had a letter. But we have seen Marvels with just a date code or, or, or the numbers. And we've seen Marvels with a letter and a number. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. I, um, I do have one of those. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, did, they did DC and they did Marvel. So we know, we've seen Spider-Man. For sure. We've seen some Batman. We've seen some Superman. Uh, the earliest Superman goodwill that we know of, I believe, is that classic soups breaking out of the chains. What is it, 233? And that, and that is a goodwill book. And um, it's, yeah, it's 233. So, it's the yeah. classic Adams where he's busting out of the chains. Um, and that's the earliest Superman mm-hmm. goodwill that we know of. And I think that was right in around that time frame too, that 71, 72. The latest goodwills that we know of is a Daredevil 90, which we think it was around one, 1975. And also, and this blew my mind, I didn't even know this till recently, there's an Incredible Hulk 152 goodwill that has a numbering of Zero five four seven five. That's weird. And that makes sense, right? Because what if it was May the fourth, nineteen seventy five? Incredible Hulk one fifty two. I think is around. I don't know the exact date, but that that's what makes us believe that Goodwill was doing what they were doing between nineteen seventy one and nineteen seventy five. Okay. Yeah. Now. Goodwill was getting their stuff printed. You'll see on a lot of Goodwills. Mm a company called JMC press and you see their house ad on a lot of the goodwills. So goodwill was probably sourcing their printing by this JMC press. Um, Now the goodwills always have a number. There's always a number attributed to them. It's not like national books or national. When we get to national, we'll talk about how they, they, they use America's numbering and then they would just keep things blank. They would do price stampings blank. Um, but the Goodwills, you're, there's always going to be a funky numbering associated with a Goodwill book, whether it's in the DC circle, whether it's in the Marvel price area where the, the Marvel number would be, 
whether it's like on the DCs, it didn't have a circle, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it was just printed on the cover instead of the instead of the uh, the number, you'll see the P, you'll see the little P with the two the two lines in it uh, for their pesos, and then you'll see a funky weird number given to it. Um, so that's how you can always tell the difference between the bookstores. The Goodwill's always going to have this little funky numbering that we are we're pretty sure is probably a date stamp. But you know the jury is out, and some people think that it's related to the sequential printing of the different books. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe maybe even across title, right? Yeah, and they would jump across titles. So so yep. so the, yep. the 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 other belief is that say you have a uh, zero mm-hmm. five four seven five on a Marvel book, a DC book would be printed later. It would be zero five four seven six, or maybe you know I don't think so. I, I I'm pretty damn sure that 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 those numbers are related to the date right unless i see information elsewhere i don't know you see i've got this captain america goodwill book Mm -hmm. and if they're doing it sort of um alphabetically then it's it's c and then the next two digits are oh four now that can stand for april then Mm -hmm. you've got hyphen you've got 75 so for me, that speaks that in their inventory, it's Captain America published in April 75. Yeah, I think so it's look, date. It's looking at me at the cover. It's, it's got, in my personal opinion, I think it is the date. Yeah, it's related to the date. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, until I see, until I see information that proves otherwise, mm-hmm. I kind of am in that camp as well. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's goodwill. They did DC, they did Marvel. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> An interesting thing about the Goodwills is, as we know, there are no big first issues in the Goodwill groups. Um, you know, we know that there's some some cool key first issues in National and some cool keys in Alamar, but Goodwill didn't. But all of that speaking, it's what's not popping out in the Goodwill group that makes us freak out a little bit. They have a 229, but there's no 227. There's no 232. There's no 234. Why is that? What happened to those books? You know, they have the Tech 407. Where's the 400? It, um, you know, there's just seems like there's these huge gaps. And then, and then some of the Marvel stuff. Um, you know, I know there's some Daredevil and there's the Captain America and there's the Spidey stuff. What's I can't remember off the top of my head. Do any of you remember that Spidey Goodwill that uh, that we saw a picture of? It was where he's jumping off the the uh, like a subway car. Have you guys seen that? I forget what the issue number was. Uh, I'm struggling with that one. Yeah. But yeah. it's a Bronze Age Spidey. I mean, there's who knows what kind of keys think, would have been. Yeah, I don't think would have been within there in within that time frame too. Because if they were printing uh, stuff from DC from '71. And Marvel from seventy two on. I mean, what kind of, what kind of shit could have been in there? <laughs> yeah, you would have had all kinds of. You would have had. You would have had the death of Gwen. First Stacey. Punisher. Yeah. Where is all you would that have had, stuff? You would have had. It's the first not Punisher. there. We don't see it. So maybe Goodwill was really yeah. being selective on the issues that they were choosing to print, or maybe. They're, they did print them, and I'll get to this in a second. Well, there are examples. I made a list of books that where we know where there are only one copy. 
So we'll get to that in a second. So so maybe they did, and we just haven't seen certain stuff. Okay, so that yeah. was good. Let, let, let me throw out one question. This, Go for this, it. It's a good point here, but it probably is applies to all of these, right? So um, the focus of your research, it, you know, the, the teams or the community's research yes. is, you know, Marvel and DC, I'm sure – is it possible there are, there are these titles that are out there that are ubiquitous globally, the Phantom and Tarzan and oh, yes. all these other ones, right? Lucky Luke, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, are, did they publish other titles that you can use somewhat as a key mm-hmm. to decide, you know, oh, well, they were publishing consistently on a monthly basis from this time to this time with some of those more commonly found books? With goodwill? Right. With goodwill? I don't remember any Dell or any of that kind of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Any or now there is with National Bookstore, and I'm about to get into that in a second. Right on, cool. But um, with cool. Goodwill, I can't think of any any phantoms, mm-hmm. any like Mandrake. mandrakes. I can't right. think of it. I do think Goodwill did some Archies because mm. I know that I've seen an Archie of some sort, um, and maybe some Betty and Veronica's. I I, I do think there are some of those. They'd probably be some of the rarest Archies on the planet. But um, I do think that Goodwill did do that. Um, and I think that they might have done some Classics Illustrated. But don't quote me on that because I'm not for sure. But yeah, your thinking is right, Eric. But see, that's just the thing. This, there's so many holes in what we know. I mean, if you go on the Grand Comics database, James has done a good job of cleaning that up. You can You can search just Goodwill and you can look on there and it's – I think it might be literally two or three handfuls of books. Mm. There's just so few of them out there, guys, of Goodwill. Of all the bookstores, um, I think Goodwills are probably going to be some of the most difficult to find. If you have a Goodwill bookstore book in your collection, you have an extremely rare comic book in your collection, in my opinion, and from what we know. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. So... so let's move on from Goodwill to National. Now, there was overlap. Right? <clears throat> so you had Goodwill from 1971 to 1975. Now, National Bookstore, we believe that they started in around 72. Now, this is why we would believe this. There are some National Bookstore, Hogan's Heroes, and that Espionage. So these are Dells. And inside those two books... There is a National Bookstore ad talking about a new location opening in 1972. Now, some some Filipino collectors have gone in and they said, yes, we remember that store. It opened in 1972. So because of that ad and because of the Filipino collectors uh, going in and confirming it, we know that these Hogan heroes, so these Dell, so we think National Bookstore had the Dell license first. And we can, we can claim that the earliest National Bookstore book that we know of comes out of 1972. So that's overlapping with Goodwill, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, in the first DC mm-hmm. National Bookstore that we know of is the Tarzan. What is that first Tarzan for DC? I forget the numbering. Uh, 271, is that the one? I think it's a Kubert cover. Two seventy one. Um, that is the the earliest DC that we can find, and that yeah, is cover dated uh, April of seventy two, I believe. Okay. Um. Now. Yeah. 
It is. So and then as far as the Marvel stuff, there's a, a lot of that stuff out there. Um, now, I wrote down... Let's see here. So, of the national bookstores, we know of four number ones. There's a Joker number one on DC. There's a Marvel Adventures number one. That was that one, I think, that had... Who did it? It was one of those, you know, where they're taking older stories and consolidate them. There's like a Marvel, also like a Marvel two in one. Or, mm-hmm. uh, but they have a Marvel Adventures one. There's an OMAC one. And there's a Sandman mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that interesting? Okay, so Kirby's Fourth World. Mm-hmm. We know from a Tarzan yeah. ad that they said that they were going to do Forever People. We know that they said they were going to do um, New Gods. Okay, so we're, we're talking Kirby Fourth World here. But this is what's interesting. We have never seen a single New Gods. We have never seen a single Forever People. What the fuck happened to those books? The Sandman one is theirs, you know. Um, could a first Dark Seed exist? I think it's possible. <laughs> it, says, it says right there in the fucking ad. Mm-hmm. That it's coming up. It says Comics Cavalade. And I'll, I'll, I'll post that in the, in the show when we, do, when we post the show to Facebook. I'll post that ad. You know, they talk about Korak. We've seen Korak. We've seen Tarzan. Um, so there's literally national bookstore ads that talk about titles that we've never seen a fucking book for. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, is, it is possible that, they didn't, that it just made it to the ad and didn't make it to the That's website. possible. That's possible, or maybe but see, the maybe the ad was was part of the art, and they didn't very like possible. they didn't change it, it or whatever reason right. they didn't get it. But this is the part that that gets all of us in the foreign hobby so excited about the bookstore books. It's that we've contemplated that a book exists, and then one's popped up. <laughs> yeah, there is all, one All Star <laughs> Western Eleven known mm-hmm. on the planet right now. So we so we had seen yep. later, right? Yep. We had seen the Weird Western Tales 12. Tim Bildhauser owns Weird Western Rolls 12 through 15. He doesn't own the 16. He owns the 17. We had seen those books pop up, and we had contemplated and thought for the longest time, could an all-star Western 10 exist? It's possible. You know, We're like, God, it's right in within that range. Guess what? Our buddy out of the Philippines, Glenn, found an all-star western 11 the second jonah hex it's the only copy we've ever seen Mm. so so it's possible that there is books that just that that they did that are just either for whatever reason so rare for whatever reason collectors you know it hasn't come out to light uh there's another book that we know of that that there's only one example of national bookstore swap thing 10 popped out here in america didn't come from the Philippines. Flopped out here in America on an auction. <laughs> Tim Bildhauser saw it at four o'clock in the morning. Lucky bastard. <laughs> yeah, and he bought it. Buried, buried, buried in Hiding in plain portion sight. of the book. Could a swampy one national bookstore exist? Fuck me, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a possibility. You know, if you're a Wrightson collector, and you're, you know, like our friend Jansen. Um, you know, and Steven, I mean, 
and me, and me. Some of I the rarest rights in comic books, <laughs> I believe. I, I love rights. Um, you know, if if you move away from some of the one-offs that we know that 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 got done, like in in Israel and some of these <laughs> others. I think the the bookstore <clears throat> rights are some of the rarest rights in comic books you can own, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, okay, so so Absolutely. and then National Bookstore <clears throat> did a bunch of Marvel stuff too. Yeah. Um, and we know that. Okay, so let's get back to the dates here. So National Bookstore starts in 1972, and it goes into around we think 1978, like 1979. I'm going to see here, or, 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 or you can buy the books there now, but the actually the latest national bookstore book we can find actually cover dated would be the Batman 283. And that's cover dated January, 1977. Okay. Now Alamar starts coming out around that time. So, you know, the big Alamar key, of course, is the Filipino star Wars one. So, it's an interesting how the bookstore books overlapped. You have Southeast Asia was there for a while. Then came Goodwill. Then it overlapped with National. Then Goodwill goes away and National keeps going until 77 about. And then Alamar starts to overlap with National Bookstore. Um, so hey, we just, know... Just go ahead. a question on that, on that date before you go to the Alamar yes. side. Yes, yes. Um, you say the cover date was what, July 77? It was January 1977 um, would be the cover date for the Batman 283. So it could have... Does that match the U.S. We don't, version? Well, no, that is the U.S. version cover date. We think this gotcha. was probably printed probably in 78, maybe so a, a, a year. So, so they just got the date and it was on there. And they yeah, they leave, the, they leave the dates on there. Um, right on. Right and on. we're about to get even more complicated because <laughs> they left the dates. So recently, so so basically, Nationals' output <laughs> is from '72 to the late '70s. Okay, but recently there were some Filipino collectors going into the research society and claiming that they saw differences between a book that was printed in the in the mid '70s and they saw that book reappear in the late '70s, almost as if it might have been reprinted. Mm-hmm. Now, this collector said that they remember the interiors being different as well. So what this did was this threw the whole group into a tizzy where we started saying, what? Are, is it possible that they actually had different printings that could be sleuthed out? Now, we haven't seen any proof of this yet. The idea was someone was saying that if the book says Cachos Hermanos on the Indicia, which is the the distributor, I think, for National. I don't remember exactly how that worked. But if that the early bookstore books had the Cachos Hermano, that the later ones didn't have that, 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 uh, uh, didn't have that information in the Indicia, that it was just stripped out. They also said that the later books had worse print quality because they, the, the theory was that that maybe National was outsourcing their printing and then later in the late 70s were doing it in-house. Because remember, they were a publisher. They were a book publisher too. Um, so that, that there's, there might be a difference in the quality, in, in the print quality, where the registration on those later issues. Now, this, is, this was being discussed in the, in the group. I don't know. I actually think it's more likely. Now, I've talked with Tim Bildhauser about this 
uh, recently, actually, I think it's more likely that National probably printed the books and then stored overrun, you know, stored copies of books in a warehouse, just like they would a book. And then later on down the line said, you know, just put them out for sale. Cause there's a lot of Filipino collectors that remember that in the late seventies, even into the early eighties, you could walk into a national bookstore and you could pick up these comic packs. So they would pack them in like groups of 10 or something. And they were all bookstore editions and you could buy them for like five pesos or something. Hmm. So we have Filipino collectors talking about that and saying that by the, that very beginning of the 80s, you could still walk into a national bookstore and buy bookstore editions. But very soon thereafter, you could no longer do it. So we don't know. So there's a theory that some of the national bookstore books might actually have different printings. But until I see proof of it, you know, it's, it's all just esoteric speculation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. File copies, what you're describing is what uh, you were kind of thinking saved, the cases. File copies, and then you know, and so let's let's speculate. That they put aside let's all file speculate copies. now. What we think print runs might have been. Now we know from collectors that you could get <laughs> bookstore books at media stalls. So we know that the news agents had them. Now we've thought different things about this. We've thought that maybe. Either National had these, a print run done and then they reserved us a certain amount of that print run to sell to uh, newspaper agents, you know, to the, the stands on the side of the roads. Um, now, was, did they buy that from National or we've also thought maybe that, you know, how easy would it be for a print shop to run a, run a job for National and then just run some for themselves and sell them out the back door to news agents? Very possible. Um, or, you know, maybe they, they were national would take the comics and if they if books wouldn't sell, they would then take them and then, you know, package them up and sell them to news agents. What's interesting is that we have within the national bookstore uh, trade dress. Now, let's talk about that for a second. They would keep the numbering, but they strip out the pricing info. So that's that's the easiest way to tell a national bookstore book. If it's a DC, you know, DC at the time had the DC circle. If it's empty and it has a stamp in there or writing in there, it's a good chance it's a national bookstore. On the Marvel, same front. Yeah. Your, your, your pricing is going to be out of there. And national had specific stamps that they would stamp in their pricing or they would put in – national would also put in uh, stickers, price stickers. I've seen plenty of national bookstore books with the price stickers on them as well. That was probably up to the location is what I'm guessing. And we know that National Bookstore had, at at their height, I think they had four of the big mega stores. But just like some of the other stores here in America, they would have satellite stores within within the other malls. So I've had Filipino collectors tell me that, let's say you didn't live near one of the big cities like Manila or Rizal or one of those big cities, and you were in a smaller community, that smaller community would still have like a strip mall type place where, where it had a satellite store where you could go and buy it. So if you're printing a print run for an issue number and you got a print for, I mean, how deep do you think the mega stores might be? You know, well, they keep 40 of every issue. 
Then you have to think of all the satellites. I still think you're looking at print runs, and I, I'm being widely speculative here, of course, but I still think you could be looking at print runs as low as 20, 30, 40,000, 15,000, 10,000. Who knows? Because um, you would supply, that would give you enough supply to supply your, your mega stores. Mm-hmm. Your, all your satellites would get maybe 10 of each issue, 20 of each issue. And then even if you uh, factor in extras to be sold to the news agents, you're still talking about print runs that are very tiny. We're talking about them being in the range probably of some of the smaller European countries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... So already you have issues with, mm-hmm. with print run. Okay, so, so the nationals, another way you can tell the national books, they have back ads. And we'll, we'll post pictures of the back ads. But just like the nationals would have pricing information stripped, I've seen national bookstore books where the fronts look just like the Americans and it has the American price. Mm-hmm. So that's weird, right? Why did they yeah. do it for some and not others? Hmm. Yeah, that, I don't, that, I don't that know. Low, that low print run also has me thinking, uh, you know, if, you're, if that's your business, right, mm-hmm. um, and you have a low print run and a high distribution network, right, like you're, how lucrative is 10 copies in a, you know, in a newsstand in a remote town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Probably not lucrative to be monthly and consistent. Maybe just lucrative enough to do you know a bit more ad hoc printing so you know maybe maybe it's not as consistent um you know as as we would hope i'm just throwing out yeah well that makes sense it would make sense that even they as a license it's expensive to have a license right maybe the bookstore books just went to dc and marvel the bookstore companies and said you know what we need uh we want to print maybe they did it by like they didn't even do it by title they just said we want to print 50 different titles, books. Right. What do you got? Send us whatever you yeah. got. Send us whatever you got. Yeah. What have you right. got? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so that's why you see this kind of weird jumping around with Goodwill. That's why on national, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, I, you know, I think the biggest key that we'd love to think exists with national would be the Haas 92 would be, you know, the first Swamp thing. We've seen some high House of Secrets get it close to those numbers. Mm. Um, Steven, can you remember the earliest Haas? that we can think of? What was it? It was like a 95, maybe 96. Yeah. Something like that. I think. Yeah. And we know they did house of mystery too. Could possibly. Have no, why did they hop around so much? But yeah. Um, 95, 96. So yeah. So that's, that's something, that's a question we might not ever have an answer to. Um, and, 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 and again, why do things in a certain way? And then there are some national bookstore books where uh, I believe there are, na- there are some national bookstore books here in America in comic shop backstock that no one knows what it is, that what it actually is, because you'd have to take the book out of the bag and board and look at the back ad. The back ad will have the national bookstore ad. And that's so weird. Why did, mm-hmm. and I know that they did it because I own <clears throat> one of them. I own a DC yeah. Um, I think it's Beyond the Unknown, or I don't remember what it is. I don't remember exactly the title. That front looks just like the American, with the exception of maybe that the print quality is a little shitty and it's got registration issues. But you wouldn't know the difference. You would not know that that was a bookstore book until you looked at, looked at the back ad. So, 
Well, they and some people well, may not even be eligible enough yeah. to even know what the backers would have been. And yeah, still we'll, may not we'll, be we'll post some, some samples different. of this. Now, there, you know? within the National Bookstore books, we have what we like to call virgins. Now, what a virgin is, is that's a book that had the pricing stripped. And for whatever reason, National or the news agent or wherever it ended up never put in a price. They never put a stamp. They never put a sticker. And some of the virgins do have a little, like, slight writing. You can see they wrote it kind of in there. And that's another thing that's kind of weird. So does it speak to the distribution that, that, that National would then send these books out to the different stores and the different satellites? And it was up to those stores to price them either with the stamp or a sticker or write it in there. And why did some books not get that? Could, could those virgins be books that were sold out the back door to news agents by the printer could those virgins be extra back stock that they had maybe on hand? Maybe some of those virgins come from those packs that were sold in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, where the collectors went in and bought them as packs. Maybe some of the virgins come as that because they were in the, the – you know, they just kind of packed them up and they didn't – they priced them all as one thing. So that's a very interesting thing too. But we do know that for collect, the few collectors that own these, they kind of like to have the virgins, right? Mm. Yeah. From an aesthetic standpoint. Yep. Yeah, and that just comes from a from an or aesthetic a standpoint of not having writing writing yeah. on the cover and things like that. You know. Yeah, and you, you know the, the interesting thing about the national uh, stamps, pricing stamps that have a little p in it. They're kind of neat. They they say national bookstore and like a, there's there's different styles too, and that's and that's kind of what makes me think too that the different the different stores had their own kind of stamp that they put in there, which again, kind of lends these books to kind of a provenance kind of geek mm -hmm. fantasy, right? That we could yeah. figure out where the, where that you might be able to figure out which bookstore sold which mm -hmm. particular book. If mm -hmm. you could, if you could dig in that deep. Um, okay. So, so, okay. So I, I spoke about the, the few number mm -hmm. ones that we know of with national, right? Joker one, Marvel adventures, one OMAC and Sandman. Um, maybe there's some more God, you know, I'd love, I'd love it if there was a forever people number one or, um, you know, God forbid a new gods one, that would be amazing, but we don't know. Those are just rumored. We think there's a possibility they could exist and we don't know. Okay. So national bookstore, you guys have any other questions on that on how to identify them or no, I'm no, just no. letting it all yeah. sink in. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, <clears throat> um, Rare books yeah. within the National Bookstore world. Um, All-Star Western 11. <clears throat> only one has popped up that we know of. Swamp Thing 10. Only one has popped up that we know of. Um, the Weird Western 12, which would be the third Jonah, I think we know of about seven of those. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to speak to this, uh, just getting back to Goodwill. That Superman 233, where he's breaking the chains... We only know of two of those that have popped up. There's, there's one, one popped up here in America, and one we got from my good buddy Glenn, and we got it for Tony because he builds the 233 set. But that's it. We only know of two of them. Um, so we're talking, we're talking books that have a extreme difficulty here. Um, I'm going to move on to Alamar. Now, Alamar is, a, is an interesting bookstore as well. They probably have – oh, 
uh, I got to talk about the other big key. Uh, the X-Men 101. Can't talk about National Bookstore without talking about that. Um, we, National Bookstore did do uh, X-Men, but they did not get to, you know, everyone always asked me, did they do a 94? It's 94 is the big key, right? I think the, the one that we know of, yeah. The latest the, X-Men that we know of, I think, is a 90, 98 or 97. We know they did a, 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 a 101. I know I've seen a 100. Um, God, how amazing would that be if they did X-Men 94? Um, but we haven't seen it. We know, it, you know within a few months we've seen one. But you can't talk about – that's probably the, one of the biggest Marvel keys within the National Bookstore output would be that first Phoenix, would be that <clears throat> X-Men 101. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so moving, moving to, to Alamars. The Alamars, the earliest Alamars we know of were the 1977 books. Now, there's not a lot of Alamars out there, believe it or not. Um, we know of a Micronauts 1 through 4. We know of Shogun Warriors 1 and 2, and we know of Star Wars 1 through 4. Alamar supposedly was printing from the late 70s into the early 80s. Now, we think, we, we think that the, even though the Star Wars is cover dated 1977, my buddy uh, Ron, the king of foreign Star Wars, we did some research, and on one of his books, Alamar books, was a sticker related to a pizza place in the Philippines. And he did some research on it, and we think that somehow the Star Wars at one point in time was related to a promotion between Alamar and this pizza place. <laughs> but the pizza place didn't exist until like 81 or 82. Interesting. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so, we th- so we think that a lot of the Alamars, <laughs> maybe they might have been producing stuff, but I think a lot of these books that I just said, Micronauts, Shogun, I think they might have actually been printed in the early 80s, right in around there while National was getting out of the comic book world, while they were stopping, you know, you know according to Filipino collectors, mm-hmm. the last National bookstore books you could find were those packs where they looked like they were just trying to get rid of backstock, and that was in like 1980. So Alamar comes on the scene and starts bringing on the next generation of these bookstore books. And Alamars are funky as hell. I'm not even sure they were officially licensed. Mm-hmm. I think there's and a good chance they were, they were bootlegged. Yeah. It, it's interesting that they're not superheroes too. At least the three you mentioned, they're, yeah. they're licensed or whatever, right? So uh, yeah, they're not superheroes. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe they were tie-ins with that, you know, in some way, right? Uh, yeah, and and if you ever look in an Alamar, they have these ads. the The parent company was a company called Fun <clears> Stuff, <throat> and they made these ads of this little girl, this little kid, and she's the ugliest little kid you'll ever see. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know who drew this ad for in and in the Alamar. There's nothing in there but these Fun Stuff ads. That's another interesting thing. There's an Alamar house ad on the back. And then the interiors have the only house ads that you see are these fun stuff uh, ads. With a girl that looks uh, with this girl, girl that is the ugliest looks, little girl you'll ever see. <laughs> looks anything but fun. Does not look fun. 
And then they, Alomar also sold a lot of religious stuff. Um, they, there's a lot of, uh, I think they did a lot of like Christian story, Bible story type comic book stuff. So you'll see a lot of, you will see ads in there for that stuff. But Alomar didn't have, I mean, this is all, these are the only three titles that I know of that are Alomar Star Wars, Micronauts, and Shogun Warriors. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Isn't it? That is very weird. It may just be that they did that yeah. because, like you said, they may have not gotten official licensing. Yeah, so would, they may have been using wouldn't cause characters that wouldn't be the, the high-flying, super, super, superhero characters, the A-listers or whatever, so that there may wouldn't be like, yeah, as many waves got you know created there to, to kind of yeah, avoid. Yeah, and, and if plus, you look, you know, and if you look rubbing the way too many Alamo people the wrong way or something. The books, you know? So they stripped the pricing out. They stripped also the numbering in some instances, and they put in a weird number code on some of them. And on the Indicia, the Alamars are the most uh, least amount of information on the bookstore Indicias that you can get. So inside the Alamar books, you'll see that they strip the date, the, the copyright date. They strip like the issue number out. But they don't add anything. They don't put anything in there, like printed by Alamar. You know, like the national bookstores had the the Cachos Hermanos, imported by Cachos Hermanos, and Goodwill had the you know printed by JMC Press, and mm. and had more information in the Goodwill. Um, I think there's a, a in the Indicia, the Goodwill company is in there. It's almost like they didn't want to be found, yeah. right? Interesting. It's almost yeah. like they. And that's what makes Again, me think that the Alamars, that, maybe not there's wanting, a very good chance the Alamars could be just flat-out yeah. bootlegs. This is 1977. What lawyer is going to go fly to the Philippines and try to bust this bookstore, right? Well, first off, you'd have to be aware of it, which was not yeah. likely. Not likely. So who knows? They might have just taken these books, the actual comics, and then right. went in and, and separated the separate the seps out and then just stripped it all out. Who knows? Maybe it. Maybe they. Those books arrived to national after mm-hmm. they did their run, and someone in house just said, "Hey, look, we got this art here. Yeah, look what we got." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the Alamars. The Alamars are going to be hard to find. There's not. I haven't seen a whole lot. You know, Ogie Cruz, one of the Filipino collectors, just recently found a stash of like seven Shogun Warriors. Um, but like the Star Wars for a while there, the Star Wars. The, the Alamar Star Wars 1 was one of the most difficult Star Wars books to find if you're building that set. It was a nightmare. I think at one point in time, we only knew of maybe five or six. And then some more started to come out, and then we started to find a little more. Um, I believe Ron has said he thinks the later issue, actually, because uh, they go to number four. I think he was saying the, the issue four is probably the rarest. Yeah. 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 He thinks that one's probably rarer than one, two, and three. Um, that would, that would, and, and he he's he's really gotten good at, at finding those books and pulling them out of the islands. But even him, I think, only owns maybe two of issue four. I believe I'd have to go back and and speak with him. But yeah, the Alamars are are an interesting thing. We know very little about th- what they didn't leave a lot of clues. Yeah, those bastards. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Except some really ugly little girl they wanted to join the house at. So, so that's <laughs> basically. And that, that girl grew up to be uh, Shakira. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, that's, so, guys, that's basically 
the, <laughs> the, the facts that we have, yeah. you know, Southeast Asia, mid sixties, late sixties, tough to find. Don't know a lot about them, how they distributed, where they were at. Goodwill, early seventies into at the very tail end of Goodwill, 75 national bookstore around. What did we say? Uh, 72 from 72 all the way up to the very tail end of the 80, of the 70s. So right there into 1980. And then Alamo starts hitting right there at the beginning of the 80s and maybe for a year or two. And with the amount of titles that they had, probably were extremely short-lived. So you're talking about a time frame from the mid-60s into the very beginning of the 80s for bookstore books. Um, I'd like to get into <clears throat> cultural things next. Uh, well, now... We- Go ahead. Yes. Which, by the way, by, by, by the way, before we do that, um, uh, after after the Alamar, oh yes, wasn't there um, when you get into the nineties? Yeah, and you, you get the, the, 90s, the Tagalog MKPI, MKPI, and you also get the, MKPI, the Universal Bookstores, which is their Hastings. Yeah, the tag, Tagalogs. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't planned on talking mm-hmm. about those, but right. we can just touch on those very, very briefly. Um, the MK, the MKPIs. Yeah. Right. And then you had Atlas, that was more like the late eighties and going into the, the 90s. publisher of the famous Filipino yeah. Spider-Man 300. So, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe there's a little break there in the eighties for a few years. And then you right. come back and you get to the MKPIs, which are the Tagalogs. Mm-hmm. And those are printed on horrible newsprint paper and they did not survive very mm-hmm. well. And those, the MKPI <laughs> prints Terrible. are Marvel, DC and mm-hmm. Valiant, believe it or not. Um, and I would say that the probably the yep, rarest yep, foreign edition variants yeah. would be those Tagalog MKPIs. I've I've seen the Italian variants. I've seen some of the mm-hmm. other European variants mm-hmm. for sale. Um, and usually you just got to go find them. Yeah, like yeah, you can find Exo Man of War one, but the, and but the Solar number one, one and... the Exo number yeah. one, the the MKPI ta- Tagalogs. Those are difficult to find now. The MKPIs, I did find a, a newspaper article in the Philippines talking about how the MKPI, Mahal, I don't remember exactly the company name, but they, they published in a newspaper over there that they were bringing over Marvel and DC licenses through that company. So I did find a scrap of information um, on that. Um, but I can, I can tell you this, the, the, the Tagalog reprints weren't loved. Um, and we've talked, I've talked to a lot of Filipino collectors and, you know, they learn English right. very early on, you know, only in the more, the most rural parts of the Philippines, do you got kids that can only speak Tagalog or some of the other, uh, languages. I think there's a few languages actually on the islands. Um, but most kids knew English. So by that time they were looking for either the bookstore version if, if, if there was one or they were looking for the American book, you know, because because by the 80s, you have comic book stores over there that are already getting American material, which which makes the Atlas. So Atlas was another publisher, very short lived, just did the Spider-Man title and I think maybe one other title and might have done might have done a DC book or two. I don't quite remember. And we know that 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 Atlas run did, you know, Spider-Man 300, 301 and a, and a few other McFarlane Spideys. And they are the Bane that Spider-Man 300 
is the bane of any Spider-Man 300 set builder mm. because it is a tough, <laughs> tough book. And this is the 80s. So there's probably, when we're talking about rarity of that one and difficulty of sourcing, you know, that one kind of stick, sticks not, out. It sticks out, but, you know, it is the 80s, so I'm sure there's probably more of those floating around than some of these bookstore mm-hmm. books. But even still, think about it. By that time in 1988, you had Spider-Man 300 hit the stands. It hit the stands as an American issue in the Philippines. Why Atlas, the publisher, decided to create their own in English? You know, I can kind of see the Tagalog MKPI guys. There's no one offering Tagalog editions of these books to, to the kids. But why, what the fuck was Atlas thinking? And then they were so, so short-lived. Yeah. I think they only, like I said, I think maybe they only did four or five titles. They must have only survived. It was a flash in the pan. Mm. Let me let um, me let me throw out a question. This is mm-hmm. it comes to mind because what you're talking about that specific book being in competition with the American version, right? So, mm-hmm. in in the record business, if you would do like a U.S. pressing of an album and you shipped it overseas to Europe or Japan, a Japanese version of a U.S. album will usually include a bonus track or something like that, right? Because oh, yes, yeah, because they would be competing on the same shelf with the U.S. version. So if I'm the guy, if I'm the mm-hmm. consumer in Japan, I'm going to buy the version with the extra track in it, right? Instead cool. of the yeah, U.S. Version, yeah, yeah. Did did foreign publishers do anything like that if they were competing with American editions? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm going to assume that the like take the Filipino Atlas as an example. That whatever that pricing on that Filipino book is, it's probably cheaper than the American. That would be the first thing that I would say mm-hmm. is if you had competition there, I bet you that the local indigenous output was cheaper than the American yeah. one. They didn't have to import um, it. They didn't have to pay taxes to get ex- it in the country, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. so maybe they were kind of look, just looking yep. for a different yep. market. You know, it's yep. kind of like that thing that we, I was, that I'm getting ready to talk about, about the Filipinos culturally um, where, you know, as a kid, you always want the most expensive thing. I mean, take Nerf, for example. My son loves the officially licensed Nerf guns. He's got a few of the other knockoff Nerf companies, but he doesn't love them like mm. he loves the actual Nerf guns. <laughs> so, but he, he has a few in his collection of guns. Um, so I, I'm going to assume that, one, they would probably be cheaper. And two, sort of like, you know, like in the UK, Ken, that Batman Adventures 12, the UK book yeah. that comes with the little, the little, uh, uh, the little toy uh, button. Yeah, yeah. The little, yeah, it's like a little, uh, it's like a little button. Mm. You know, in, in instances where you were competing, I do know that they would add extras, like in the UK, where they added that little Batman button to that book, and it's taped on there, and it's a, it's a nightmare to find with the button still intact. Yeah. But I, so I'm assuming that some foreign publishers did do that when they, you know, because in the UK you could buy a Marvel UK or you could just buy the American version. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marvel UK did a lot of stuff, didn't they do, Ken, where they, they did. kind of packaged a lot of that, yeah. a lot of the, they, they might have three stories in there instead of just one. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like Rampage. Yeah, exactly. Like Rampage would it package Defender stories with a bunch of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, just random so stuff. So I think, yeah, yeah. just random, I think they just kind of packed it, filled with value. So it was almost like, maybe the American book is that one you put on the pedestal and the local indigenous book is the one that if you can't afford it, you're going to get the most bang for your buck, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's what yeah. I'm. That's what I'm thinking as far as yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then okay, so then you've got Atlas and MKPI. You got the Tagalog reprints, and then later in the Philippines, the Universal Bookstore. From my understanding, the way 
Filipinos have talked about it is was their Hastings basically. Mm. You know, Hastings there toward or Hastings. Um, I'm not even sure the company's still around. No, they've gone. Um, sure. Are they completely out? Um, but I know that for a while there, Hastings was doing uh, comics, mm. specific limited to Hastings comics, and they were kind of doing stuff like that. So what you see with the Universal Bookstore stuff mm-hmm. is you see Spawn, you yeah. see uh, some other image, you see some Marvel, um, you see some DC. You know, there was, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The first Livewire is in that run that uh, Harley's in, isn't it, Stephen? Batman Adventures. Mm-hmm. So we know, we know that there is so, yeah. a live, is it Livewire? Mm-hmm. Is that what her name is? We know that there's a Universal Bookstore's Livewire. Yeah. Could yeah. a Universal Bookstore Batman Adventures 12 exist? Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely possible. But if so, we haven't seen it. It's another one up there that, you know, we, we, we think of these books that possibly might be, be out there. We call them white buffaloes mm. or, or ghosts or whatever. But, yeah, that would, that would freak some people out, I guarantee you. Because that would definitely be that – would, that would eclipse the South African as, as the toughest Batman Adventures 12 easily if that existed. So what's the uh, cultural thing that you wanted to get into? Okay, cultural. So – we talked. We started talking earlier about the perfect storm of that makes these books so difficult. And Stephen, Stephen's exactly correct. But the one of those things that's in there in the perfect storm is the cultural attitudes in the Philippines themselves. I have personally spoken. So not only do, do these books have to survive what we think are low print runs, but they also have to survive. You know the the crazy environment of typhoons and the humidity of the jungle. And I mean, I mean, there's a reason jungle rot was so hated amongst American soldiers that were fighting over there at that time. I mean, your clothes would literally rot off your body. Think about Mm. that. Um, So imagine how difficult it is for paper to survive. But the other thing that creates the perfect storm of, of difficulty and rarity is cultural bias. The bias over there, the way it was explained to me by a Filipino collector was this. He went into a store with his parents there would be American issues there for sale. They would be behind glass. Think about that. Mm-hmm. On a, a wall would be like, you know, a big, you know, like the big magazine racks would be filled with bookstore editions. He would walk into the store. The bookstore editions would be out there for the kids to read. And, you know, I'm sure kids stole them and, you know, whatever. But the ones that were that, that national bookstore put behind glass were the American books. This kid remembers going in there, or this collector, as a kid and asking his parents, Mom, I want that, you know, the American comic book. And the mom looked at the price and what it was going to cost. And then she looked at the, at the bookstore editions and said, No, I'm not buying you that book. I'm buying you for the amount I pay for that book. You can get 10 of those bookstore books. Go over there and get your bookstore books. <laughs> so they went and he got his bookstore books and he got them. And in the Philippines, yes, they loved them. But as soon as they could afford to upgrade, to an American copy, what do you think they did? They upgraded. Mm-hmm. And that's why <coughs> those yep. dealers over there yep. didn't think either don't have them or don't care or didn't think to bring any bookstore books, even, even as dollar bin fodder. I mean, that guy that we know of that was over there, he thought for sure in these guys' uh, boxes in the dollar bins, it would be filled with bookstore books, you would think, Right. Nothing. Zilch. <laughs> Nada. <laughs> yeah. So, 
we're talking serious, yeah. serious bias. And uh, I was speaking with a Filipino collector about this as well. You have to remember, those are just the guys that they, the comic book collectors that they consider hardcore. Most people consider comic books as throwaway entertainment. Simply throwaway, don't care about it. So it's not like here in America where since yep. the 60s, people have been, have been harping within on the, you know, on, in pop culture going, yeah, there's a reason a Spider-Man one is important, you know, even though it's a comic book or you no, know, we've had so long to get that through our heads. that comic books are important in a lot of these foreign countries. They still haven't gotten that. Mm. And, and, and the guys that even collect the, the, the comic books today are still considered mm-hmm. crazy, maybe within their culture for being hardcore about that. He w- this collector was telling a story about how a lot of the politicians in the Philippines will use comic books as part of their, uh, uh, their, their, their message to get their message out. And they'll go to the, they'll have like these stops, you know, where they'll, they'll talk to the locals and they'll hand out comic books. He was saying that he's been trying to gather these political comic books and, and keep them safe for, for long term and that he's having a hard time even today getting, getting some of these political comic books because people just throw them away or they end up as trash. They end up on the floor. He was saying he went to a, like a political thing and uh, he was just walking on these books, these comic books that these uh, politicians were handing out. There were just people are just stomping on. They're just they don't care about them. Yeah. It's not considered anything to keep. Yeah. And if you were a local uh, quote collector and you were upgrading, like you said, you probably would just get rid of your old one that you'd read a hundred times and you know then covet the new one once you got it, right? Exactly. There was a, a there was a Filipino collector on the CGC mm-hmm. boards that admitted that he will sometimes find bookstore books in his collection and he throws them right into the trash. Wow. Makes your heart sink, doesn't it? <laughs> and this is amongst, this is amongst collectors, co- comic wow. book collector mentality people <laughs> that when we made the first thread at the CGC boards talking and asking about these books, this guy came on and he started talking about it and he hit me up by private PM and said, you know, I'm actually real surprised. I even have this Superman book to even offer you for sale because it, it's one of the few that sneaked by that didn't get thrown away because all the other ones I threw away. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that story I told you guys about the, uh, that guy that put those ads in the paper it's crazy. Um, there in the Philippines, he put it in every major newspaper in every major city he put in an ad for looking for bookstore comic books buying collections of bookstore comic books have one have 300 hit me up you know Mm -hmm. here's my number find me and he had those ads running i think for close to a year if not at least six months and i think he did find some collections of books but it was way rarer than he thought Mm -hmm. he thought himself that he was going to just become a wash in bookstore books, just like he did when he went to that con and, and be able to flip them. And a lot of those bookstore books that are on my comic shop, that's where they're coming mm. from. They're coming from him <laughs> and he's probably having his wife ship those straight to buddy down there in Dallas and, and listing them. But um, yeah. Uh, so, and, and I think I've told this story before where a collector called him and said, Oh, bookstore books. You're looking for bookstore books. Yeah. Yeah. I, my cousin has some. And then he says, let me call you back. I'm going to go visit him in a week, blah, blah, blah. And then he calls him back and, and he says, Oh, great. You found your, your cousin's comic books. 
I got some bad news, man. Well, what? Well, what's 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 happening? I'm, I'm buy, I want to buy, buy all of them. Uh, they moved recently, <laughs> and they used them all to wrap silverware. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They just, you know, and 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 so yeah. because the the Philippines have had a comic <laughs> collecting culture for a long time, especially with comics with a K, but for whatever reason, culturally those bookstore editions were just considered trash. Mm, yeah. Absolute trash. Not, not on the same scale. And because they could have access to American books, even in the 70s, think about this. You had, I, I bet you every major city in the Philippines had some sort of American military presence and probably had a PX and had a, had a place where English-speaking Americans could go buy media. And I'm sure they had American comic books and they were probably the ones, uh, you know, the Mark Jewelers. Uh, books mm. that that you know they're probably that but for a lot of these kids mm-hmm. you could go to an america to mm-hmm. somewhere where there was an american base yep. or an american and probably buy american books this is even before you have the the influence of uh, the comic book culture of the 80s hit the philippines this is in the 70s in the 60s so for the longest time they've had access to american comics and have been able to put the american books on a pedestal while putting some of the the local indigenous output as definitely being the lesser than. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Uh, so culturally, yeah. we got problems. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes these books, these Philippine editions, whatever, just so, so among all the foreign stuff that's so out there. Yeah, they're, yeah, these are among so the just, Can you uh, just mention a Facebook group again question. and put a call out to anyone has any info, please go to that group. Please join. Yes, Philippines Research Society. Yeah. It is on Facebook. It's a group. If you're a Filipino collector and you have stories about these books, or if you, you know, I know that uh, there was a very famous Filipino, Jerry Angelan. I don't know if I said his name right. He recently passed away. Rest in peace, Jerry. He was well-loved there. Um, he, he had a really uh, heavy-duty blog that was followed by a lot of people, and he would talk about his love for the, the bookstore editions. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, it's not like, the Filipinos don't, there are some Filipinos that do love and respect those books, especially now. I think probably looking back, they probably realize they're how awesome that they were. But, um, so it's not like I'm saying, Oh, well they all just hate them. Of course. But you know, but, but there, there was definitely a cultural bias against those books and it existed and it was real. And even to this day, there are Filipino collectors over there, like that guy on the CGC boards that are, pulling American books over into their collections and throwing away their bookstore output. Mm, And that, that, that speaks to these books in in general. Um, And so, you know, if you're a Filipino collector and you have stories, I love just hearing the stories about, about the books themselves. Um, Glenn Martyr, uh, the star Wars one that I have, he was given that book by his parents when he was a little kid and he, he, he wrote on it and he colored some of the stuff I, I love that book because I know that it meant a lot to him personally. And, and some of these Filipino books have, they filled out, you know, they filled out the, the ads and they wrote their name. Yeah. Alf Langaria is a, a famous, Alf is, has, has his name on a bunch of Filipino books. He certainly has. I think you have some of those. I Ken. do. I've got a uh, quick check up. I've got about four. I think one, two. Yeah. yeah. Alf. <laughs> we know Alf. He's in, the, he's in the group. So like, 
we know he loved these books. So there's, there's, there, there's, there's something to be said about that as well. I, I, I like even, even though these books could be in such ratty condition, there's, there's, they were loved by, by these kids in the Philippines. Yeah, and still are, right? Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's something I want to put. That's something I want to put out on this here because I, I, I focus primarily on the grading side of the industry, um, at least now. And this is something that even if you don't get books graded, but especially if you do like to get books graded, um, and you like, and you're considering going after foreigns, or you like foreigns, or you're considering going after Philippine edition, I got to tell you, you've got it. You've got to got to got. You have to do this with all foreigns. But you especially have to do this with Filipino editions. You've got to get yeah. condition-mindedness yes. out of your head with Philippine books. Because having having a copy of a Philippine edition, whether it's a yeah, Goodwill, Alamar. whether it's a National, whether whatever it is, Alamar, MPKI, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what edition you have, what bookstore edition it is, or what. Just having a copy makes that book extraordinarily yeah i hate to say rare but just really really tough it's super tough just to even have a copy let alone don't even worry about the condition i've seen tons of philippine books that just they look you look at me you think well god that's yeah. just a terrible looking book. yeah look, it's i've got a southeast over there. like dude it's a i've got a southeast asia edition coming to me <laughs> it's with a national bookstore cash. edition do you think i look, care you know i'm 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 I'm, I'm, scr- I'm waiting for it i'm like I'm like I can't wait. No, it's that that one Frick, that I was talking a, of about, course not. Comics, man. <laughs> uh, Lex Luthor one. I'm like I can't wait to get it in. I'm just like ah, oh, it's coming. I mean, yeah. I mean, for most American collectors, a Filipino book is probably going to be the most difficult comic book to acquire, as far as you know, in comparison to the rest of their collection. I mean, it it it, it it's just yeah. I, I I can't express it anymore. How. Yeah how difficult they can be and how much respect they need to be given as far as tough to source. Well, yeah. 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 If, if you're, if you're finding Philippine copies that are coming into the range of six Oh six five or better, yeah, there's a, you've got gold. There's a good chance you could have probably the best condition you've yeah, got copy gold. on the planet. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, cases, thanks for that, yeah. uh, that, uh, so, lesson in Filipino. Like, if, if anything, hopefully this furthers, uh, you know, the <laughs> desire and the, uh, you know, the, the value of these, not necessarily in a monetary way, but just, you know, there is a need yeah. out there, right? So, yeah, appreciation. That's the word I was looking for. So the appreciation, yeah, the appreciation. Awesome. I, I love deep dives like that. We should, we'll, we did a little yeah. bit of it, the cornos last time. We do. Um, let's do something else next time. Um, you know, maybe Brazil or something. Uh, Australia. We could do this all around the world. Basically. Oh yeah, so yeah. That was, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and you know, I want to cool. disclose too. Oh you know, sure, this is, absolutely. Oh, all yeah. this information, the dates, and and all that stuff. You know, I'm bringing this from the research society. It, I, we are smart enough to know we don't know squat. Mm. There's such, there's so many holes in our knowledge. You know, like these dates, these are just what we found. There's a good possibility maybe Goodwill or National was printing in the late '60s, and for some reason, we, those books either didn't survive or we just don't we know. Just don't know. So I, yeah, yeah I just, I just want to re, re, uh, confirm that 
that we're doing our best, yeah. but you know, there's so such a big hole in knowledge yeah. on these books that yeah, it's, you know, I, it's it's always going to be an evolution of knowledge, right? So yeah, and a, yeah, 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 um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was that was that was good. We're this is our longest episode. Just looking at the time. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, well, guys. No, I probably well, I probably well rambled. No, well, yeah. well very, well very much well, well worth it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I just want to do the the housekeeping thing. Extremely thing again. fascinating. Um, yes. I, I put a call out on our Facebook page for any books that you're hunting. So that would be a good way to get some of our listeners and friends. Um, interactive on the show so i got a couple uh books that people are hunting matthew gabriel truchelle is hunting nigerian x-men number one so if anybody knows that right that's a toughie he said worth a shot um so yeah yeah so uh, if anybody knows that find him on our facebook book facebook page um jeff barris uh the yaffa iron fist number six from australia that's a saber tooth uh yeah so if anybody has that, go ping him. Uh, Morton Thompson, uh, he said Spanish-Portuguese mm-hmm. X-Men with original covers. Mm. X-Men from difficult countries like Nigeria or any Phoenix covers he doesn't already have. So that fits. If you have anything like that. The Phoenix Folly. Go, yeah, exactly. Go find uh, Morton on our Facebook group. And uh, yep. Dennis Gitlin is looking for uh, Amazing Spider-Man 238. I think it's a Hobgoblin one, right? Um, yeah. From Iceland. So... If anybody has one of those, go ping Dennis on our group. And yeah, that's a toughie. That's yeah. a real tough one. You want to talk about tough books? Yeah. So Iceland. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, and I'll do this on each episode, and we'll do this at the end of each episode. So anyone listening, if you have a book you're hunting, we'll give you a shout out right on our Facebook page. Um, what books are you hunting, Ken? Which book are you currently hunting? Right. Well, I'm looking for several things i'm going to be dropping out to everybody who might have a chance to find this for me or have in their collection but i'm looking for alan class stuff but it's just at the moment the really early issues because my way of thinking is i'd rather get the hardest stuff first because everything else is gravy after that Hmm. so if anybody's got um issues one two or three that they want to sell of either suspense sinister tales creepy worlds secrets of the unknown and canny tales or astounding stories, please hit me up. So it's a big Great. want list. It's a massive wish list, and you know, who knows? Somebody <laughs> might have them. They might want to sell. That's cool. Yeah. Um, how about you, Stephen? What are you hunting? Uh, I'm a big New Mutants fan, uh, so I like uh, pretty much anything New Mutants. New Mutants number one, any of the key books, the first uh, Legion, the first James Proudstar, the first Warlock, blah 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 blah. First, even first Cable and first Deadpool's even. But I'm a huge New Mutants fan, but I like any books, any New Mutants books. But I especially like the ones that um, might be tougher, we're not sure really out there or not, you know, because I see Italian editions and I see, uh, you know, Spanish editions and the, the Brazilian editions. And I see some of these ones that are out there that are a little more common, you know, but I'm curious as to whether there's ones out there that might be, you know, much harder to find. And I just don't see them. So I don't yeah. know. Um, but those, those, and the other big thing that I'm after is any foreign Marvel 25th anniversary border cover books yeah. with the with the November 1986 American release of the you know the border around for the Marvel 25th in 1986. Right any of those border cover books, any of them from any country, uh, definitely interested in those. Great, beautiful. If, 
if you, yeah. if you have those, ping these guys. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Los Fantasticos, Los Four Fantasticos. I collect, uh, yeah. I collect Black Panther, like FF52, um, and uh, Fantastic Four 112 with the Hulk, yeah, the Hulk thing cover. So I mm-hmm. need both of those and Los Four Fantasticos. So if anybody has any of those floating around, I would appreciate a word from you. Um, so that's cool. And whatever you're hunting, ping us on Facebook and we'll give it a shout out on the episode. Maybe, maybe we can make some connections. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do just to close us out is we got a review, right? Cool. Oh, on yeah, iTunes. Hey. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to read that. Um, and we've given ourselves reviews, which, Hey, whatever. Aside from <laughs> us, we had an additional review, right? It, it, it was naked for a minute. So we, now we have three reviews, which is pretty cool. Uh, and this is from, this is on iTunes. This is from Rights and Collector, which I think maybe you guys know who that is or can guess who um, that might be. Jansen. Yeah. Right Jansen. Jansen. Yeah. And uh, thanks to him for, he, he wrote, uh, for anyone curious about comic books from countries outside the U.S., this is the place to start. It's a completely different realm and collecting and knowledge is the most important tool you'll need. So thanks for the kind words, Jansen. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you so yeah. much. Cheers, Jansen. Thank you. Yeah, Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. If you leave a rating or a review, uh, we will read it on the uh, on an upcoming episode. So please go, you know, click a bunch of stars on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. That would be appreciated. Although if you leave us like a shitty review, we probably won't read it. Let's be honest. Um, but if you <laughs> leave us a good review, we'll, we'll read it. Um, and then just plugs like Ken, KenWorthing.com. What do you have uh, coming up or what have you posted recently? I have just had a little bit of a reorganization of the website. Um, there is now a dedicated Allen Glass section cool. with, uh, yeah. yeah, index yeah. pages for all the um, various publications Allen Glass did. So, yeah, that's the latest thing for me. Right on. I just got cool. the, um, is it Uncanny Tales, the uh, Spider-Man Mysterio cover? Yes. Yeah, I got yeah. I picked up a copy of that. I love that one. It's great. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Uncanny Tales 98, I think. That's it. Yep. Um, And for Matt, I just wanted to mention the Global Comic Safari. I don't have the handle on YouTube, but go check him out there. He's doing great shows there as well. And to find Triple Nine is his handle. Go go say hello. Uh, We lost him here a minute ago, but um, you know that's his handle. Go say hi. Answer any of his questions. Fill in any of his gaps. Ask him any questions. He's totally accessible. Um, And Stephen, your handle once again is. I'm on Instagram as Bagofleas, B-A-G-O-F-L-E-A-S. I am also on uh, Instagram with my signature facilitation company, T-G-R Comics, and on Facebook as well. Uh, Got some shows starting to get the scheduling together or kind of get a feel for where I'm going to be going, at least some of the major shows here around the U.S. So if you need anything done, I know I'll be doing Pensacon, Megacon, Heroes Con, uh, Baltimore Comic Con, Tampa Bay Comic Con, some of those kinds of shows. Uh, cool. So, if you want to check out any of those shows, if you ever want to get any of your books, especially your foreigns, I'm all about getting foreigns signed and graded because mm-hmm. most of the time you are creating what I call oaks. Mm-hmm. When you do that, very, very, very few will ever be signed and graded at this point, at least at this point in the hobby. So, yeah, I definitely would love to help people create one of a kind beauties like that. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. We should do a, a bit of a rundown of your some of your um, most coveted or unique oaks. I guess they're all one of a unique, but uh, I'd be interested in hearing some of those that you have. Uh, I know you got some. I have, I have to go through and make a list. Yeah. I probably have well over a hundred, wow. 100, 150 yeah. 
Please, books, please, not just please foreign, do. not just foreign, of course, but I mean, like, just overall in my collection, there's probably over a hundred books wow. that are literally one of a kind books. You are not going to find any other copies done the way that they're done. So amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, this was fun as usual. Yep. We lost Matt here at the end, but uh, if you hung out for the two hours, we appreciate it. Go say hi on I, yeah, <laughs> leave a comment, interact with us. We love hearing from you. So, uh, yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you.